Good afternoon, good evening, happy Thursday, everyone, and welcome to the sixth episode of the Populars Club podcast with Dan and Jake. I'm Daniel Pearson, coming to you from Orange County and co-hosting with Jake Albright from Tempe. How's it going, Jake? Hey, 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 we're here live in the cut. It's Jake and Dan. We're at the Populars Club live on another episode. Daniel, I am great to be back with you. Whew. We watched, I know you just watched it. I watched it last night. We talked, we posted a little uh, I got, teaser about I got it last done with week. It about an hour ago, fresh in my mind still. Fresh in Dan's mind. We got some questions we're going to give. Um, you know, our review, we're going to try to make it. We don't want to make it like our review. We want to make it more like just opening just up. Just our thoughts. Yeah, it's more of an open conversation. Yeah, we don't yeah. want, especially for this especially, movie. Exactly. This movie is more than just Well, okay. All right. Well, first of all, before we even, we should say the movie, what are we even talking about, Dan? Judas and the Black Messiah came out um, on February 12th. Very recent movie. We, it's on HBO Max and in theaters. Yeah, I, I just saw that. It is in theaters. That's cool. Um, I saw it on HBO Max, but it'd be a great, great theater. Oh, it, I was thinking the same thing. It would have been so good to see in that, theaters. That ending scene. Woof. Oh, whew. That, surpri- that caught me off guard when I was just sitting in my living room. Imagine in a theater. Okay, before preface this real quick, because we know spoilers have been an issue on this podcast with people. Right. This part, uh, this movie, it's it's about Fred Hampton. What Dan is going to get into the summary here, but before he does, you should know what happened to Fred Hampton. You should know the story. You should know what the history of the Black Panthers. This is a biopic. This is a nonfiction movie. This is about real life. So we are going to talk about the ending. We are going to talk about what happened. Yes. There will you should be know going into the movie yeah. what happened. And that is also part of what makes this movie so great is you still feel that emotion at the end. You still feel absolutely shocked. You still feel sadness. You still feel all that, even though you knew it was coming. So, Daniel, get into back into your summary. Sorry for cutting you off. No, no, no. That was good because I think that's important that we say we're not generally going to be doing these type of spoiler um, conversations about movies, but this is definitely going to be more appropriate than just giving this a review and like not spoiling it and saying oh go watch this this is like we're talking yes about we're actually shit. just discussing we're getting we're getting down yeah um, okay so real quick right. give your give your little little summary of the movie what so give us basically, the basically fred hampton is you know he's he's the leader of the black panthers and of the chicago um chapter right, right he's, right, he's right. the chairman of the chicago chapter Sorry, you keep going. I'll just, I'll just. This is this takes place in the late 1960s. I don't remember exactly. Maybe oh, it's like 68 and 69. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, basically, this movie goes into the relationship between Fred Hampton and his like head of, I think it's like head of security or whatever. Head of security of the, of the Chicago chapter. His name Black is Campus. Bill O'Neill. Bill O'Neill, and he is actually he's. He is, uh, what do you call it? An FBI uh, informant. Yeah, he's an informant. He's not. I don't he's know. a rat. I, I, I he's wanted a to snitch. say. I wanted to say spy, but I didn't want to like say the word. He's a rat, snitch, informant, spy, whatever you want to call him. That's uh, what he was. Yeah, but basically, 
this movie is all about like oh it just gets so into the two sides you know and it doesn't it paints a picture of like social injustice that i at least i've never seen before and it mm. makes you think really hard about both sides and it i don't know it was very very enlightening movie for me um but basically long story short um Fred bill, Hampton. bill o'neill gets too too deep into his fbi work and he's trying to play both sides and he's trying to, you know, cause the least amount of casualties as possible and literally casualties because people are getting killed every day. Um, and so it's basically just a hit. It's his story as he's walking on thin ice, trying to figure out how he can um, still work with the FBI agent he's working with, who is played by Jesse Plemons in the movie. I forget his mm-hmm. name. Jesse but Plemons, yeah. Great great um it's just a it's a great movie uh, i'll give a little back story on the the film side like the filmography side of it or the discography i don't even know what you talking the credits about? the credits the credits so yeah yeah, yeah. lakeith stanfield plays bill o'neill lakeith stanfield if you don't know who he is he's in atlanta he is one of the best actors out right now he is ridiculously talented he is just mind-bogglingly good at everything he does um, if you've seen him in the show Dave with um, oh, Lil Dicky, he's really good in that. I mean, he just everything he does, um, he's awesome. And then Daniel Kalua from Get Out, he plays um, Fred Hampton. And Daniel Kalua, same thing. He's one of the best actors. I mean, Lakeith and Daniel are probably two of the top five actors in Hollywood right now. They are just ridiculously good. Absolutely, um, yep. Daniel Kaluuya just does an amazing job playing Fred Hampton. Um, if you've seen Fred Hampton, like if you watched any of his speeches or anything, his the voice of Daniel Kaluuya, the voice he does and the way he does it is just perfect. He does a mm-hmm. great job. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, and it's cool because this is a biopic. This is a biopic, so you know they show they show you a little bit of the actual historical. Yep, yep. Um, and, footage, and, and it's great to see just how spot on they nail these performances and getting Daniel. Oh yeah. And then the other one who I I don't want to um, I don't want to discredit here is um, the Fred Hampton's girlfriend, oh, and yeah. she is played by Dominique Fishback. Dominique Fishback. And what's her name in the movie again? Uh, Deborah. Deborah Johnson. Deborah Johnson. And the relationship between her and Fred Hampton is yeah. awesome in the movie. She plays the role perfectly. Mm-hmm. She is so good. Um, we'll get into a couple of the scenes where she yeah, is. We got to get, we gotta get into awesome. the scenes for sure. So, Dan, we have some questions. Um, I think this will be good to structure our thoughts and, and help mm-hmm. us put, put this into a, a podcast format. So, Why don't you start with the questions, Dan? Well, because it was such a spectacular movie, I wanted to make us think about what was, what was the weakest link? You know, what Mm. was, what was a part out of the way? Well, yeah, exactly. Get this out of the way. What was a part that, um, I don't know. We were a little, either maybe it was a performance or maybe it was a, scene or like a what was it for you 
Well, okay, I'm gonna start. I, I there's nothing really wrong with the movie. Um, the uh, the director is uh, Shaka King, who is is a really he's like an indie director, really good, really awesome. He, I mean, just overall the movie is perfect. I really there's not much too much to nitpick. The one biggest thing, and this is actually something that I found out after the movie, and it's really nothing to do with the movie. Mm-hmm. It's kind of more to do with the context behind the movie. So I have a question for you, Dan. Okay, so how, this might be something. Yes. How old do you think Fred Hampton was? Oh, they screwed up his age. No, they didn't uh, screw up his age. They didn't screw up his age at all. I'm just asking. I don't know. Was he 35? How old do you think Bill O'Neill was? 25. Fred 30. Hampton was 21 years old when he died. Bill O'Neill was 17 years old when he was first approached as an informant. What? Wow, that was a great icebreaker because I actually had no fucking idea. No one did. I had no idea. I mean, obviously, if you know the history, this makes us look bad because we don't you know, know the exact history. But yeah. For people watching the movie, I just feel like maybe they could have done a, a slightly better job of portraying didn't even... how young the actors were, especially Bill O'Neill. I mean, I want to get into it when we talk about Bill O'Neill, but mm-hmm. the fact that he was so young, it makes you kind of look at him That's in crazy. a different light. You know, he was a lot, I mean, 17 years old in that time period, um, you know. And the position he was and in. the position he was in, you know, just how vulnerable he was and yeah. how, how scared he must have been and how broke and how much he, you know, how much that money probably meant to him. Um, I'm not trying to make excuses for Bill O'Neill at all. I'm not trying to say that what he did was good. I'm just saying it definitely provides you a little more context to understand why he did what he did, if that's mm-hmm. what you're asking, you know, like how mm-hmm. could this dude do it? Like how could he do that? How could he snitch? Right. How could he rat? Well, I mean, he was 17 years old. He was literally a kid. Um, you know, I'm sure, you know, they, they movied it up. They made it Hollywood. But what the FBI did to him and, and pressured him was, was yeah. horrible. And I almost want to go back, like, right now and watch it. That's what I'm saying. Now How knowing. Because there's so many really intimate scenes where it's like you're in. You're in that guy's head. And you're like, holy crap, this must be this must be impossible for him to decide what to do because there's going to be someone dying no matter what. Mm-hmm. Um, I read like, a, yo, keep going. No, oh, I was oh, just, oh. I was just, <laughs> I was just going to say that, that that's really interesting that now you can rewatch the movie with this new perspective. Cause that totally changes everything. Yep. Being that yep. young and if you and being, being an informant and figuring out like, not, like come on it's like like think about the stakes think about yeah he was literally daniel Kalu- he was fred hampton's like right hand man he had Evan and fred hampton was also only 21 years old like that's crazy yeah. that's, it's how smart and how you know mature and well-mannered and and like mm-hmm. just i mean mind-boggling is the like 21 years old and you're doing all that and you're you're speaking the that kind of truth and you're speaking those kind of words um you have that much power as a 21 year old it, like it's crazy it's crazy um so i mean just like if that was like my only nitpick i guess and i found that out after the movie mm-hmm. was you know just if they could have shown a little more context into how young they were and how you know, that kind of probably played a role in everything that was happening. 
Um, right. And it's also, I mean, if you want to look at it from another point of view, just how crazy it was that a 21 year old was the leader of this party. Like that makes you just think like, no, it's no different from now where we think right. that we're the, you know, this next generation is like the next generation that's trying to make a difference. Well, it's, it was the same in the sixties, right? There was this 21 year old leading this socialist party, this revolutionary Whoa, I just, party. I just had a crazy idea. Sorry. I have to stop you before go. I lose it. Um, in terms of why they made the decision, obviously Hollywood constantly is casting people older than the people they're supposed to be playing. But honestly, this might be a radical opinion, but they obviously got these people because they're up and coming actors, but also they're older and they have been constantly throughout the movie, you know, it's these people dealing with the FBI, the police. And who are the FBI and the police? Old white men. Mm. It just would have been so different, the dynamic, if everyone watching knew that it was, like, these teenage kids. But that was the truth. No, I know. But, like, still think about how we still somewhat, but we still somewhat have to twist it to reach the biggest audience possible because people would literally discredit people just because they're younger and, oh, they haven't seen the world yet. You know? You know what I'm getting at? Mm. I get it, but, like, really, I mean... It's the truth, man. Like these, these no, are just I'm kids. Saying, like I'm really, the FBI did that up. raid on on twenty year olds. Like, uh, no, yeah, it's fucked up that we that they didn't even credit. Even in the end credits, they gave so many stats about what happened to these people after the movie. The, they could have crazy. so that they could have so easily said they could have so easily said that Fred Hampton and Bill O'Neill were actually seventeen and twenty one, respectively. Well, especially Bill O'Neill. I mean. I feel like maybe people know about Fred Hampton and how, you know, especially reading like biographies and, and seeing work on him, they might know his age, but mm. Bill O'Neill, I mean, as they said in the movie, he's only done one um, public interview and obviously, or not obviously, but he, he killed himself right after that documentary came out. Mm-hmm. Um, and so people probably don't know too much about him. And so, I didn't seven know 17 years old. That's just crazy. Um, last thing I will say about that is I read a, uh, an interview on GQ.com about, it was an interview with the director Shaka King and he, you know, they were just asking him questions about the film. And one of the questions was about Bill O'Neill and how they, you know, portrayed his character and the director didn't even mention his age, but one thing he, did, he mentioned was how scared um, Bill O'Neill must've been in to be in that position and now you know you think of his age too oh yeah to be in that position in chicago with how segregated chicago was and this white fbi agent is taking you to his house and he's Mm -hmm. you know cooking you dinner and giving you a cigar Mm -hmm. like it's just and he's he's constantly he's constantly roy mitchell the fbi agent who he directly works with is like constantly blackmailing him oh exactly and lying to him i mean the whole one of the most bone chilling scenes with roy mitchell uh the fbi agent was when he talks about um the the body they found well the body he found but then also um he compares the kkk to the black panthers right and you're kind of just sitting there like oh my god like you are not saying this and and bill o'neill is kind of just sitting there like you can kind of see, I mean, with Keith Stanfield, I mean, the whole movie, he does an amazing job of yeah. playing both sides and showing that that struggle. 
but he's well, you, this... know, you, you can see him sitting there on the couch just like oh man like is he what is, is he is that the truth like are yeah. they really that bad like and then he goes to those meetings and he meets fred and he's like no like fred's great like so awesome. that's kind of a good segue to what i wanted to talk about um next was that this movie like i said in the beginning they really they really play both sides like they share stuff that like wow like the white people we were convinced that like we were right you know yeah like they show all these like top fbi agents these top whatever like lawyers i don't know what other figures come in to the movie but it's literally like it's like they constantly are just you know sharing horrible reports of things that the black panthers did and like Mm -hmm. telling people you are completely unsafe like all they're doing is inciting terror that's all they're doing yeah i mean well and there's a sorry continue yeah well just to add on to you you can see in the movie and and the director does a great job of this um, it's, it, this movie is from, it's in support of the Black Panthers. So you're seeing uh-huh. it from that side of view, which is a good That's, thing. It strengthens that it's because yeah. it's showing how the, it's showing like the most extreme side of the blasphemy, blasphemy. Yeah. It's and not so, trying to hide anything. It's not, it's not saying, it's not justifying white people at all. It's mm-mm. literally exposing them as much as possible and saying, mm-hmm. this is how fucked up we were. And yeah we believed it we literally believed it yeah and it's i mean it's it's so cool it's so cool that this movie was made it's so cool that you know the the director is is a person of color all the cast is people of color like you know and the way they portray everything it's it's amazing and so when you think about like this movie was made by warner brothers like a major motion studio like that's kind of crazy to think about right like um it's just it's cool it's it's a cool it's not like any other past i don't know i hate to use the word progress it's it's not but it's it's definitely just a cool um way i don't i don't i can't i can't find the right words i mean i'm just thinking of kind of movies in comparison you know like i don't know if people have seen trial of chicago seven or like other recent movies you know that have touched on like really recent past events like in the recent past like past like 30 40 years Mm -hmm. and and they've been good there's been a lot of really great films out there but like i said this one is just so there's no filter like they are gonna share everything it's also very Mm -hmm. violent too so that's another thing is there's no there's no hiding like how fucked up like Mm-mm. the war oh oh i wanted to i wanted to point out this here i bet i bet we can go off this for a little bit um at the beginning remember there's a scene and it kind of sets up the premise of the whole movie and it's saying war um war without blood is politics mm, politics then, without war is or politics without blood politics or- without no, 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 no. War no. without blood is politics. War without blood is politics. And then, like, war with blood is... Or politics with blood is war. That's Something it. like that. Something like that. But That's yes, it. yes, yes. But uh, it's literally the idea of, like, it's just, it's just another, another face of what is really happening. Exactly. It's, all, it's all war. And it's either, like, on-screen violence or it's just 
behind the scenes just fuckery. Yeah. No, and I, I think like I keep, you know, I watched the movie and then at, right after the movie, I did. I was doing some research and I, I, I keep mentioning this article that I came across with the uh, with the director and it's I, I just keep mentioning it because it's it's you know it's a, a direct interview. It's a primary source, so it's his words and. I think it was really cool to hear how he made the movie. And one of the things he said to go off what you're saying is he, you know, he's a, so, I mean, he considers himself, I, I, he was very socialist in what, how he thinks and mm. he, and that's how he wanted to make the movie. Um, he did a mm. lot of research on the black Panther and, and their movement and their political movement. And he, you know, he talked about how over time, you know, to start, he didn't really know too much about the black Panther movement and their political you know ideas but over time as he learned more and read a lot of books he fell in love with them and he just was like this is that he literally says in the article he thinks that they had the answers like he thinks mm-hmm. that what they were doing was right and so you know we see it that does. with with your quote and then at the beginning of the movie if you remember at the very beginning of the movie there's the famous quote um of capitalism can't be fixed with black capitalism it's yes. fixed with socialism and so the act or the director literally um says in the interview he purposely put that at the beginning of the movie to set the tone for everyone like this mm-hmm. is this is what we are like we are not yeah. trying to promote black capitalism or capitalism or liberalism yeah. like this is we are agreeing with the black panthers this is we want to promote like this message and that's you know what what the movie shows um and i think it's really awesome i just think this movie is so cool it's just so it's so cool and it's um it's powerful i mean we're gonna get into it but the the his speech after he gets released from jail um you know that's probably one of the one of the climaxes of the movie and uh it's 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 crazy i mean it's daniel Kalu is you know chef's kiss it's his he, peak of the movie he makes you just like feel when he talks like mm. like i'm talking up there like when you look back and listen to mlk speeches i was like wow this is a great because you know they i mean he is fred hampton like that yeah, was well, fred hampton like he played that role perfectly mm-hmm. perfectly Absolutely. He made you like he made you really believe that you were just watching like Fred Hampton. Like I it was it was so good. Um and you know the way that I mean I don't wanna I got I guess we can get into this scene because the next question we had was what was the best moment of the film? Let's talk let's talk about a scene. Yeah. Yeah, so the best moment of the film or best scene of the film for me was the the speech. Um that Fred Hampton gives when he gets out of jail, mm. he goes back to the headquarters, everyone's waiting for him. And, uh, I mean, it's just, it's really powerful. It's really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, and so what else happens in that scene is that's where we see, um, for probably the first time really where Bill O'Neill feels like I'm fucked. Like I am really screwed here because while he is listening to Fred Hampton's speech and he's part of the, he's head of the security. Um, he's, he's making eye contact. with. He sees Roy Mitchell in the crowd and Roy Mitchell is yeah. there a little undercover work. Mm-hmm. You know, he's acting as like some worker and um, he, uh, man, that is like his, you know, 
Yeah, and, and Keith Stanfield does such a good job. This is what I was talking about earlier, where he does such a good job of portraying the, the struggle between trying – because he, in his heart, believes Fred Hampton, right? Wow. He wants to be with Fred Hampton, but the money in, in his mind and, and the position he's put himself in, he's forced to be with um, Roy Mitchell in the FBI. And so we see in that scene especially where – that struggle like you can see it in his face like he sees Roy Mitchell and then he's like oh I gotta keep acting like I gotta keep my act up and then Roy Mitchell says at the end of the movie remember he says well you know that's that you know that time in the and at the speech when I saw you like you must have either really believed like you must have really truly believed in what he was saying or you deserve an academy award like yeah and and it's crazy that you know like the the one of the best things that the movie does is it lets the viewer be the only one that knows Bill O'Neill's secret, right? So the whole movie, right. you and Bill O'Neill are the only one that knows yep. he's an informant. Yep. And you guys can, and, and the viewer has the, the pleasure of seeing, right? You know, there's that one scene where, um, I forget her name, but she, she does a great job in the Dominique, movie. The- no, no, no. The head of the girl in the security. Oh, the um, other main and, actress. Yeah. And she, she gets um, Bill O'Neill in a car, right, at gunpoint after the guy at um, the meeting at the beginning of the movie calls him out. Remember, he calls him out for the badge. And he's like, you, you, like, you, did you trade in your badge? And everyone kind of, like, looks at Bill O'Neill. And then after she gets him in gunpoint in the car and is, like, questioning him. And, um, you know, we see there, too, like, that's that that great mm. acting from Lakeith Stanfield, just such good mm. acting where he like, he plays it off. He's like, no, I, I stole, I stole, you know, I, I pretended to be an FBI agent and I would steal cars and they didn't believe him. Mm. And they were like, well, how'd you steal this car? And he's like, well, I jumpstarted it. And they're like, well, <laughs> you know, jumpstarted them, like prove it. And that whole scene, you know, where he's trying to jumpstart just it and constant, just really quick decision making. Like, and he does, he just oh, like that's. I mean, that's what makes Lakeith Stanfield such a great actor, and that's why he was so perfect for that role. Is because well, it's it's also I think we, you got to give the like you said the story and the, the directing some big credit too because exactly. they made it they made it so you were literally I, I keep going back to this but you're constantly hearing both sides. You're constantly hearing both sides. And who's the only person who's on both sides? Lakeith Stanfield. Yeah. He's the person who's on both sides. So you're going to go from hearing a threat from the FBI mm-hmm. agent to hearing a threat from Fred Hampton. And he's in the middle like, holy shit, how do I get out alive? Yeah. And um, one really scene, one scene that really... Oh, yeah. What was, your best, what was your best scene, Dan? Oh, I wasn't even going to talk about. That. Oh, oh, I was oh, still talking. Go, go, go. You didn't go. let me. You didn't let me talk about what you just said. You okay, go. I thought. I thought you were saying. I thought you said one really good scene. So I thought you. Were, my, yeah. Well, go, sorry. Go, still talking go, about what go, you go, said. Go, 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 go. Jesus Christ! No, um, I was going to just say that towards the end, you know, I don't remember what his title is, but he's basically the top FBI guy above um, Roy, and he's going. Martin Sheen. Was it Martin Sheen? <laughs> I mean, J. Edgar Hoover, that's who Martin Sheen was. Yeah, he goes, um, a person who, who goes in jail, like, goes down in history. A person who, like, gets sent to jail goes down in history. And then a person, he doesn't even say it. They don't even have to say it. They literally end the scene right mm. then. And it's just, like, a person who doesn't go to jail is dead, and it, whatever he had dies with him. And that is their 
that's what it comes down to and that's when that's the whole like i think climax and lucky steinfield mm-hmm. i think probably and the next realized. scene is literally that scene when he's in the speech and he makes the eye contact with rory mitchell and realize what he has to do yeah and then you know on top of that the dinner scene where he asked him to draw the floor plan and yeah and but we didn't like, but are we you didn't, gonna kill him like you, you already like remember well, I think I think you got a little mixed up. I'm sorry, Dan, because I don't well, think you found. Let me finish. As okay, the, finish, finish, finish. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I was just gonna say, as the audience, honestly, it doesn't matter the placement. My point of talking about these two scenes was that, as the audience, like we know, we, like we know what has to happen, but we still don't know what he's gonna do because mm. he's constantly having to play both sides and find the fine line find the balance mm. yeah um, i was gonna say the scene i think where he really finds out that he has to like or that fred hampton's gonna be killed was the dinner scene remember and and like and like stanfield says um like you won like he's going back to jail because remember he lost this appeal yeah and he was like you guys won like he's going back to jail like what more do you want and then roy mitchell's just kind of quiet remember and he just kind of puffs on a cigar and looks at him and then it kind of just clicks in bill o'neill's head and he's like oh yeah. you want to kill him like oh you want to like, oh, kill yeah. him Dude, i felt that cigar puff because it was right you're right it was in his eyes as soon as he knew what he had to do he was like oh god i can't think about that and you're like yeah. oh god he has to think about it and it, oh my i mean just an, another amazing scene from like stanfield but you know, and he says, he says, so he's kind of like, I can't do that. Like, there's no way. Like, just send him to jail. Like, no. And then this is when, you know, we really see Roy Mitchell kind of exert his power and kind of show that, like, I don't really give a fuck about you. Like, I might have invited you to my house. Like, I might have, you know, treated you well, giving you all this money and shit. But, like, I could give a fuck about you. And he goes, like, remember what they did to your buddy, like, Alex Rackley in the river? Like, that's going to be you when I tell them that you're a rat. Like, he's like, I will snitch you out. And then what's going to happen? Like you're, right. you're going to be killed. So like, would you want to be killed or you want to like tell us this information and you can survive. And you know, it's, yeah. it's kind of, they do a great that's job true. because if you remember in the scene, two scenes before or a couple scenes before, when Bill O'Neill confronts Fred Hampton and quits the Black Panthers and says, is this something you want to die for? And that's when Fred Hampton loses his mind and like, like almost like fights him. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like foreshadowing, right? Like he asked Bill O'Neill himself asked Fred Hampton, is this something you want to die for? And then Bill O'Neill was the one that had the choice. Do I want to die or do, mm-hmm. do I want to let Fred die? And he, yeah. he let Fred die. So it was like, it was just um fuck bill o'neill fuck maybe bill kind O'Neil. of kind of something we can wrap up with um kind of has to tie with that i will get to now my favorite scene yes which was the scene where fred hampton he just got out of jail and he comes back to deborah and she's pregnant and mm. their first evening back together it's probably the most intimate scene the most non-violent scene for sure you know for a split second you're like oh shit like all right we're just having a nice little romantic evening Mm. um and then of course they they turn to what 
what has to be talked about and you finally get this perspective this movie's full of violence and you finally get this perspective of wait what like what happens when it's just violence like mm. what happens when it's literally just violence and it's like yeah you're fighting for the right thing but if everyone's still dying Mm. and she's pregnant and she's about to have a kid and she goes you can go say you'd go die right now for this but i can't say i'd go die right now for this with another mm. person inside me and do you remember the scene where she realized that when he was talking in the in the he was giving a speech right and the camera yeah. was on was on um deborah sure. mm-hmm. and and you remember she was like sitting there and he was talking about how like I'm not going to die in my sleep. Like I'm not going to die with like a bad heart. Like I'm going to die for the people and everyone's going crazy. Right. Cause he's saying like, I'm sacrificing my life for you. But then the, the woman that is having, carrying his child is standing there and it's just like, just realizes like hits her. Like you can see it. And she's just like, wait, like that means like I'm alone. Like that means I like, I, first of all, I can't die for this. Like, cause I have to care for this baby. And right. then that means like, I'm, it's going to be father. Like, well, it's really, you it, kind of just realized everything, all the consequences. Well, it makes you really think too about like, mm-hmm. just, just this whole thing and just social justice and how to fight and how, mm. and how to, how to do it. Because mm. obviously time and time again, we have failed and we keep trying and some things change, some things don't. And unless you forget this movie was literally like less than 50 years ago or no, about 50 years ago, 50 years ago. That's insane. You know what? Like he literally, the ending scene was like, you're a freed man now. Like as if he just like got free, like what? You want to know another kind of like a parallel that I read. I read this in an article um, and just so sad. Um, You know, seeing Fred Hampton and the way he died, killed in his sleep in his bed, police raid. And, you know, them thinking about this year and how Breonna Taylor killed in her sleep Uh in her bed, police raid, 50 years later. Yeah. You know, what's changed you know what we're not anywhere closer to what black panthers were fighting for we're not we're still having this argument about is socialism even good when we were having that exact same argument 50 years ago like we should be so far past that we should have realized i mean another thing that i want to bring up is you know they're talking about j edgar hoover and why did the fbi do this and, you know, you say, well, they're racist. Well, that's the obvious answer. Um, but if you want to go a little deeper than that and look into why they were racist, it's the truth is Fred was doing the right thing. The government saw Fred was feeding children. He saw that Fred was opening medical clinics. He saw that Fred was trying to give people free health care. <laughs> like, they knew that if Fred got a little more power, that if Fred was able to combine these, these different groups and these different gangs in the cities, and he was able to start to grow his power outside of Chicago and Illinois, that the country would have been over for, for capitalism and for white power and for, 
for you're right it all goes down to that and that really simplifies everything (laughs) because it's all yeah yeah you're right we're never going to get past the we're never going to get past the issue of whoever's in power is not going to want to give up power because Mm -hmm. because if we started with inequality there's no way we meet in the middle if if the top if this person up here isn't willing Mm. to meet in the middle you know Mm. they they got to give up something and Mm. and you're right and then that scene with hoover or sorry was that his name yeah Uh, he he makes it very clear that this isn't this is literally like he's like this is politics like straight up yeah like we can't it's not about punishing yeah he's like he's like he's like it's not even like personal or whatever he's like it's literally just like we have to do this because there's no way that they create a, a revolution and and rise to power he's like there's no way it happens I mean, it's depressing. It's there's that's the only word for it. It's depressing. Yeah. You you watch that and you think about that and think uh, about greed a lot too. And then you think about where we are and where you know how we took ten steps back from even where we were then with with mm-hmm. the Trump administration and like what what are we what are we where you know what what the hell what how do fuck? we how do we where do we what, finally what learn fuck? to coexist. <laughs> yeah like where like, what what the at fuck the, at the bottom line we i mean i've been saying this for a long time i mean we need we need we need another fred hampton i don't know if i mean there's there's someone out there and it's you know it's it's time for for a change and hopefully we can have another movement like what happened in the 60s i mean mm-hmm. maybe it's already happening right now that would be no it's not i mean it would be refreshing. It would be refreshing if we got that motivation behind what's happening right now. Yeah, that, I mean, it would. would it really, would be to really see nice to, to see. see. You know, I know we want to wrap up here pretty soon, but to see, um, the amount of people they got to support them, and just even in the movie, but you realize that you know it's pretty accurate to how it was in real life, but. Like, do you remember the meeting where the Black Panthers went and met the Crowns in that mm-hmm. empty, like, uh, you know, whatever, like, warehouse or whatever? Right, right. And it was packed. And it was like, we don't see that anymore. We don't see just gatherings of people trying to, like, make it, you know, like, I guess we do. And I, I'm, I'll probably be proved wrong with this. But it's just, it seemed like that was just a different time where people were really trying to make a change and i guess you could just blame it on social media now everyone's just trying to do it through social media and that actually doesn't get any work changed no, i think i think that it's just that it happened so recently honestly because yeah. this movie you just if you watch the movie you'll see how it ends and you'll be like yeah no wonder we're fucking scared <laughs> or no wonder sorry that wasn't the right thing to say but no wonder you know that it's been 50 years and we haven't seen a movement like this because look at how horribly it ended yeah i just that's a good point i like so that i mean that gets you back to just depressing like what do we even do mm-hmm. like if you just if you know the government is just going to kill you if you know they're just going to come for your head like they're just going to put propaganda and try to kill you in every way and turn your people against you. And like, what do you even do? So I don't know. Hopefully you this make movie... art to try and 
trying yeah. to change some minds because that's that's something to do i guess hopefully this movie will spark conversations it'll piss people off i mean i know it pissed me off i know it pissed you off just yep. hopefully that'll that'll be the takeaway for most people after seeing this that they agree with the director in his stance that the black panthers were in the right here and and they got i mean it's they got fucked over <laughs> they got they got fucked over they got screwed they got just if you guys really want to like really get in tune with all this just go watch this movie because i promise you even if you know a lot of black panther history mm. this is just another personal level because just the performances are just mm. yeah the performances it's just you're the there you're there with them and you and when they show, you know, the biopic stuff of actual footage, you're like, wow, that's spot on. They nailed mm-hmm. that shit. Yeah. So anything else, Dan? Any last last questions or comments? Not really. I think this episode probably was a bit shorter, but we wanted to we wanted to just solely focus on this movie because we posted about it. We said we were gonna talk about it. Mm-hmm. And and so we finally watched it and Thank God we sat down and talked about it because. Mm-hmm. I hope so. We is- yeah, we were gonna give the, we're gonna we're gonna give this whole week to we're gonna dedicate it to Judas. Um, we're gonna give this week's pod to Judas and just you know please watch it. And uh, next week, Dan, do you have any any news for us? Any exciting for what for what what's coming next week? Yeah, what are, what are we doing next week, Dan? Are we talking well, movies? We might be talking. We might be talking anime. <laughs> might be talking anime. We might but be talking anime. I'm talking some some anime y'all are gonna want to see because yeah, we're talking real anime. I mean, I'm watching the Batman series on HBO right now. We're not talking about that anime. We're talking about real anime. No, no, no. We're talking about the stuff that you don't understand at all, unless yes. you have subtitles and you're reading them like it's a chapter book. Yes. So we're going to get some, we're going to get some guests on, you know, I'm going to try to get some people I know. Dan's going to try to get some people he knows. And I don't know anything. We want to, we want to get a new voice and we want to get a new topic in here. We've been talking about mainstream movies, new content. Yeah. So we're going to talk about anime. I'm going to learn about it. I don't really know much about it. So I'm just going to sit back and ask questions and, and listen and uh you know honestly after that i'll become a fan yep same i'm gonna let let our guests lead the show next time around i am too i think that will be exciting so well thank you all for joining in on this was the sixth episode of the populars club um we will be back next thursday every thursday we'll be right here um if you guys want us to like actually talk about something please even yes. if you don't, even yeah, if, if you have a TV show friend. to recommend, yeah, oh yeah, us. if you don't know, please just the uptake DM is always open for anyone. Please recommend a TV show. Please give us your thoughts on Judas. We will we respond to everyone. We will we will you know have a conversation with you. We'll you know we'll give you our our thoughts and and uh, yeah, don't be afraid to reach out, Dan. I love that. <laughs> well, well, that's 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 nice. Thanks, Jake. Um, 
<laughs> I, I mean, I meant everyone else, not you, Dan. That was that was nice of you to say. Oh, I see. What you, that was kind of weirdly put. Um, there should have been a anyway. comma there. Yeah, you need you need to verbalize your commas, please. Yeah, verbal comma. See you guys next week, right here on the Populars Club. This is Dan and Jake signing.